Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Pushkin. This is American. This is American. All right. We got cheap gas and we're going to burn it. (laughs) (laughs) It's Lee Greenwood riding a bald eagle, you know, into into some like a fireworks finale. (laughs) That's right. For the final championship round of our Car of the Year tournament, we've brought together one of my favorite car guy comedians, Alonzo Bowden who you might know from NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and my favorite car guy public intellectual, Malcolm Gladwell, who you know from his books, his podcasts, and his unofficial co-host status on this show. The task in front of us is daunting. How to pick a winner from this random grouping of cars? What criteria can we use that applies across these four vastly different segments? Well, keep listening. Malcolm, of course, has the answer. I'm going to get out of the way here and let the three of us determine, once and for all, the best car I drove this year. I'm Eddie Alterman, and this is Car Show. We have our list of semifinalists. We have the Chevrolet Corvette Z06. We have the Cadillac CT5V Blackwing. We have the Hyundai Ionic 5 as our EV representative, and then as our SUV semifinalist, the Genesis GV70. So two from Detroit, two from Korea, and if you ask me 15 years ago, that's a mere two product cycles ago, whether there would be two Korean cars and two domestics on this list, I'd have said, you're smoking angel dust. But here we are. What do you guys think? How do you want to jump into this? I'll start with cars I can fit in, which makes the Corvette really tough. Uh, (laughs) So give me the dimensions. So I've been in the new Corvette, and 
it's it's kind of like two tunnels with a high center. I mean, I got wide shoulders, so it is kind of a snug fit. But as a car, it's phenomenal. You know, it's the only one. You talk about punching above your weight class. Everything it competes with costs at least twice as much. Yeah. Yeah. I actually want to spend a lot of time on that very point. But before we do that, I want to eliminate one right off the bat, just <laughs> to clarify the, the conversation. Let's see if we can agree on the one car of these four that doesn't belong. Okay. And I think it's obvious. It's the Genesis. Really? Why? I don't understand. Why would we celebrate just another well-put-together, overpowered luxury SUV? Like, it's another version of something that Porsche invented 10, 15 years ago. I see the point, but I think the exceptionalism comes from just being so perfectly suited to that market. Well, I tend to agree with Malcolm here. My issue with Genesis is they make perfect copies of other cars. I mean, when you're talking about car of the year, you want something special. So if you wanted to pick an SUV to be special, then I think you have to take a Turbo Cayenne or an X5M, something ridiculous and over the top, you know, 600 horsepower, et cetera. It's like an SUV that there's no reason for it to exist. Yes. The Genesis is just, as he said, it's a well-executed SUV, but it's not a special car. Yeah. Also, can I bring up Tiger Woods here? Yeah. Isn't this isn't this the one that nearly did in Tiger? I mean, come on, it's got like a shadow over. Save Tiger. No, that was the GV80. Oh, that was a GV80. Right. Yeah. Malcolm, that that's pretty much anything Tiger drives other than a golf club. <laughs> if if anyone. <laughs> who has millions of dollars should hire a professional driver. I think we can say it's Tiger Woods. He's just, his his record behind the wheel is just not good. I know. I, yeah, it, yeah, I <laughs> thought about that. That is, that is true. I think he can afford a driver at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm with Alonzo. Like, if it was nuts in some really wonderful way, I love that. If it had no reason to exist, yeah. other than to fulfill the fantasy of an engineer somewhere, then I would be all over it. But it's like another Jennifer Aniston rom-com. I mean, you know what you're getting. It's really well produced. <laughs> but like, does, is your life really immeasurably improved by seeing the 17th, you know, rom-com where she thinks she's being left at the altar? <laughs> well, okay. Taking the opposite position, there's so much value packed into this thing that for the average SUV person, this thing is like a Mercedes for half the money. It's a $100,000 interior in a $50,000 vehicle. It's probably going to be more trouble-free and cheaper to keep on the road than any of the German makes you highlighted there. And this is their second SUV. And Genesis wasn't even a brand 15 years ago. And it's like way better than I think the Audi or the or even, you know, the Mercedes and the BMW in some way. I'm going to stop you right here, but I'm going to tell you why your statement just eliminated that car. Okay. You use the word, it's a great value. When you were a kid and you looked at cars and you dreamt of a car when you grow up, at no point did you say, man, I can't wait till I'm old enough to buy a great value. <laughs> That's not the car of the year. The car of the year is I want something exciting. When you were a kid, you wanted to grow up to get a Corvette. Or if there was a Cadillac with 500 horsepower, like that didn't even exist back then. But that's an aspiration. You want one of those. 
Nobody's like, man, if I could only get a great value. <laughs> right. The, uh, you know, I want a also, gremlin. Also, Eddie's suddenly gotten religion. You know, Alonzo, I don't know if you know that Eddie and I have a beef that goes back how many years now? Like 10 years? Ten, 10 years or more. I wrote a piece for The New Yorker where I took issue with a Comparo that the car and driver had done. Porsche Cayman versus Lotus Elise versus Corvette. They compared these three cars, and the subject of price never came up. And my point was, the Corvette appears to be as good as the other two cars in every conceivable important respect, and it's twenty grand cheaper. That ought to count for something. And Eddie was completely blind to this idea, and now all of a sudden he's turned around and he's talking. He sounds like Consumer Reports. Well, I, I might be able to extricate myself through some deft, you know, rationalizations <laughs> and bullshittery. You've gone from the editor of Car and Driver to the editor of Consumer Reports. <laughs> All you're concerned about is how far I can stretch my suburban dollar. What happened to I'm like to Casey you? Kasem. I keep my feet on the ground. I keep reaching for the stars, Malcolm. So the idea that you raised, Alonzo, that the Corvette is great based on, you know, it's a third to half the price of a Lamborghini Huracan or, you know, a Ferrari F8 or a Pista or something like that. I think value is part of the Corvette equation. But the Corvette is a still a high-performance car. It's a supercar. As a side bonus, it costs less. But it's still, unto itself, it's a supercar. That's the difference. The Genesis, it isn't a, a super SUV. It's an SUV. It's, it's a nice, luxury SUV. The Corvette steps up to supercar level. And the fact that it costs less is like a bonus, you know. When I evaluate cars in the Corvette category... You know, where I live in upstate New York, there's a lot of guys with a lot of money. On the weekends, they take out their special automobile. I will, driving into town on Saturday morning, see 10 amazing automobiles on a good day. There's a guy who lives quite near me who has a, a Lamborghini. Every time I see him in his Lamborghini, my first thought is, what a jackass. <laughs> I mean, come on now. <laughs> so you drop whatever it was, 300K on this thing which is basically undrivable. And you're only doing it because you, you have some kind of adolescent fantasy that you're fulfilling at this point. When I see someone in a new Corvette, I don't think jackets. Really? No. To follow up on Alonzo's point, there's some element of discretion involved. There's a certain judiciousness. It's like, all right, I want a world-class automobile. I could go all the way to 100% and get a McLaren. Or I can go 90 5% or 98% and get a Corvette and save myself 200 grand. Who is it? That's, that's an admirable position. Yeah, I see that. There's a nugget of rationality in there. And you're also saying like, yeah, I probably could have a $300,000 car. You could have it, but you don't. You're more intentional about the Corvette Z06 than you are about a Huracan. The thing about like Ferraris as distinct from Lamborghinis is the Ferrari guy He's planned his purchase. He's been fixated on, you know, with a 430 Spider for 20 years, and he wants to get it, he wants to get it, and he does. And he keeps it forever. The Lamborghini guy falls into a bunch of money, buys his thing, and he's dead in 18 months, or he's broke in 18 months, and it's just way more impulsive. Whenever I see a Lambo in L.A., I'm like, if I'm dropping 300K in L.A., I'm going to get a Rolls Royce, because I'm only sitting in traffic. I might as well be comfortable. Um, yeah. 
But again, getting getting back to our point about the Genesis, you notice the cars we're talking about are all exotic, aspirational cars, and, and nobody's feeling that about the Genesis. But Eddie, if we gave you, how about this, put it this way, all four of those cars are available to you tomorrow for free. You can pick one of the four for free for your own personal use. Which one are you picking? You're not picking the Genesis. No. No. Now, I will tell you that there are times definitely where I choose comfort. Like if I have a Genesis or a BRZ, I'm going to probably go with the Genesis. But I'm sure there's going to be, if an M3 is up on the board, that'll do. And I didn't even bring in the sex appeal factor because, again, you know, there is a sex appeal to these cars. And nobody's walking up, hey, baby, you you know what kind of value I got here? <laughs> Just... <laughs> but Malcolm's point is a great one, that cars are about context, right? And a Corvette in the Hudson Valley has a kind of outsider cool factor to it, especially a Z06. You know, we have this thing in Detroit called the Woodward Dream Cruise. And it's basically just quarter-mile runs all day long. You have gassers in there. You have hot rods. You have all this great domestic iron. Somebody shows up in a Lamborghini. They just look like a complete asshole. You know, like, what are you doing with that car going in a straight line? Yes, it's got good quarter mile times, but you're just so out of place. It doesn't even look right. You want like big Impalas. You want T-Bucket, Fords, those kinds of cars really fit in in Woodward and exotics just don't. But the Corvette, it it can code switch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It can be kind of everything to everybody in a really, really cool way. It's not just the traditional, the Corvette has a lot of baggage, you know, because of all the Corvette shows and guys in their lawn chairs, you know, rubbing them with diapers and cars with chrome wheels and yellow cars with purple stripes. That's not what this new Z06 is. This new Z06 is every bit the international exotic, right down to its crazy naturally aspirated engine. I mean, there's kind of nothing like it. Yeah. By the way, you know, I saw that Corvette's thinking of spinning off as a brand and coming out with an SUV. If we had a Corvette SUV in this lineup, that would be my hands-down winner. Really? Oh, my so God. So you're for, you're for a Corvette SUV? I am so... Are you... Who, who wait... Alonzo, you I'm just, are you not? Yeah, that would be. I'm on board. That would be fun. I have to say, Eddie, if the new Corvette was not badged as a Corvette, it wouldn't fit in there either. It would be too exotic in its look. The reason it fits in is because of the name Corvette and the history you talked about is why it would be accepted amongst Detroit muscle. Otherwise, it would look like another international flashy exotic car and people be like, nah, that doesn't belong here. Because it certainly doesn't look like an American muscle car, even though it has the ultimate American muscle engine, right? It's amazing how much they can keep working the small block and just keep getting it better and better and more and more power. But that car, if it wasn't badged as a Corvette, it would look as out of place as a Lamborghini or a Ferrari in a quarter mile. But it's that power of the brand that allows them to spin off. Yeah, yeah, totally. When we come back, more with Malcolm Gladwell and Alonzo Boning. (laughs) 
As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer, so they created something that no one had ever built before, a platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies, the cellular vehicle-to-everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G-connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The city of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Let's talk about the Black Wing because my first thought along these lines is another car that would be a hands down winner in a slightly different configuration is if the Blackwing were a, a station wagon. Now you're talking like version, a real automotive journalist, Malcolm. The shooting brake version of the CT5 Blackwing, I would mortgage my house to buy that car. I would buy that so fast. It's it's like, that would be a dream. And also an extended version, like a shooting brake version of the CT5V in the same way that the, the Taycan Gran Turismo, Sport Turismo, yes. Gran Turismo, or, and also the Panamera, both of the shooting brake versions of those cars are infinitely better looking than the than Way the more desirable. Right? Way more desirable.
you know, in that form, that car becomes such a slam dunk. I mean, you can legitimately, you know, justify it to your spouse by by pointing to its practicality. <laughs> it's only 668 horsepower. You don't mention that. You don't mention that. <laughs> I think the problem they have with those is the same that they had when they had the CTSV wagon and all. People like them in theory, but then they don't buy them. You know, I mean, the Panamera, the, what's it, the Gran Turismo? Sport is Turismo, the, yeah. Yeah, it looks really cool, but but I don't see them on the road. People aren't buying them, and they, they're, you know, they, they cost a lot. I mean, I looked at it. It's it's an expensive car. So from a manufacturing standpoint, you know, getting back to Eddie value, that's what I'm going to call you from now, Eddie. <laughs> Just get back to Eddie value. You know, marketing's like we should make it, but but sales is like, yeah, but we can't sell those. I would, Eddie. Do you know the sales numbers on the the Taycan shooting brake? Is that one selling well? No, it's a tiny percentage, and yeah. it's a, a bit of a halo vehicle for the Taycan brand itself. Same with with Panamera. But you know, Alonzo, your point about you know the CT five V wagon that nobody wanted when it came out. Now, if you look on Bring a Trailer or something, they're going for ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah, now now people want them. There's a lot of cars that people didn't want when they came out. And then later they're like, oh, that's a phenomenal car. But as as you know, manufacturers don't look at it that way, right? There is something about the United States and we love SUVs. We don't love wagons. Yeah. And it's irrational. That's what we love. We love SUVs. I mean, you look at BMW, right? They have high performance wagons. They don't sell any of them in the United States. They sell us the SUVs because that's what we that's what we tend to buy. Eddie, why on the question of the of the CT5 Blackwing, you chose the, the CT5 Blackwing and not the CT4 Blackwing because dot dot dot. Well, I think the CT4 is really brilliant too. And like I said, we have that M3 in the office, but I'm driving the CT4 more than that. The CT5 to me is sort of the the last we'll ever get of that format, of the V8 sports sedan with a stick, rear drive. It is so incredibly animalistic. The driving experience is much more vivid, I think, even than the 4. The 4 is great. But the five really feels like that 911 mm-hmm. sedan that Alonzo was talking about, which is the ideal, which is like, that's what your M5 is, Malcolm. It's like really a sports car, sort of in drag. And and the five, to me, it's just more desirable. It's more, more. <laughs> it's like, okay, how much horsepower can we throw at this thing and still make it totally, totally livable, usable, rides great, it's utterly sophisticated, yet utterly animalistic at the same time. So to me, it just maxes out both of those things. Now, I haven't driven the CT4 and CT5, but I've owned the M3, and now I have an M5. And I tell everyone the M5 is more comfortable in comfort and more powerful in sport. Is it the same thing with the CT4 and CT5? Same deal. And what's so amazing about the CT5 is the ride quality. CT4 too. Like the BMWs are very harsh now. They're they're like that macho stiffness. Whereas like the CT5V Blackwing, to me, that's the car for like, okay, this guy is like a world-renowned podiatrist. <laughs> He's got a bomb-ass collection of Hawaiian shirts. 
He's he listens to Steely Dan on homemade speakers. He's like a true enthusiast iconoclast. Yeah. And he wants the maximum of everything. So that's why I chose it. What what's your take on it, Malcolm? You know, my daily driver is a is a CT5 V, so one step down. Obviously not a manual. Part of me has been jonesing to swap that for either the the Blackwing 5 or the Blackwing 4. I kind of like the Blackwing 4 conceptually more. I like the idea of all that power in a little tidy package. And I like the look of the 4 better than the 5. If you make the Blackwing the car of the year, it's a middle finger to the entire automotive world, right? Because you're <laughs> saying everything you guys have been trying to transition to over the last five to 10 years, we're not interested in. <laughs> we, what we want is rear drive manual V8 old school, like, you know, I'm increasingly convinced that cars peaked 15 years ago and everything's been downhill ever since. And the CT5V Blackwing, it's basically the the better version of the 15-year-old car. The Corvette's the same way. The Corvette's like, you know, it's like a 458 Speciale Ferrari from 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And this thing is like a naturally aspirated M5, although it's supercharged, but it, it's it's not turbocharged. It doesn't have like, you know, that feel-free steering that all these new cars have. It's not remote and distant and and clinical feeling like a lot of new cars. It's got a ton of feel. And I think what the CT5V Blackwing says is that you can't just take a car out of the box and, and release it into the wild. You have to really work it. You have to to develop it and hone it and hone it and hone it. And that's what the engineers on the black wings, and I think on a lot of Cadillacs are doing now, is just really making them very driver-oriented, full of feedback. And to me, like, I, w- I want a sports sedan that can really calm down when I want it to calm down and can really go hard when I want to, like, take an on-ramp or an off-ramp. And I want to have that bandwidth that, you know, I think only a car like the CT5V gives you. Well, I think the V-Series Cadillacs have always been like the ultimate version of a muscle car. Like you, you go back to the muscle cars of the 60s, right? And they had these giant engines and they had all this horsepower, but they were bad cars. They were just brutal and harsh. They didn't handle this. So now they're like, okay, we're still going to give you that feeling that that you can only get from a big V8 rear drive, like muscle, American muscle. But like you were saying, Eddie, we're going to make it comfortable and we're going to make it handle and we're going to put in all the modern conveniences. You know, my buddy Chris Titus, a hot rod lover, and we we had this argument long ago when he was talking about hot rods. I was like, you know what? I like my hot rod with heated seats and navigation. I'm okay (laughs) with that. All right. I don't need it to, you know, to be as brutal as they were back in the day. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the V series, all of them, all of the V's. It, it, it is what Malcolm said. It is the middle finger. Like, no, it's not even the middle finger. You know what it is? Like, this is American, this is American. All right. We got cheap gas and we're going to burn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's Lee Greenwood riding a bald Eagle, you know, into, into some, like a fireworks finale. <laughs> That's right. It's funny to go back to what you said at the beginning, Eddie, about how, 15 years ago, if someone had told you that the four semi-finalists were two Koreans and two Detroit products, what's interesting is how 
the position of BMW and Cadillac has flipped in that period, right? Because 15 years ago, it would have been two BMWs and probably two Japanese cars on that list, right? It would have, you know, it would have been the the NSX, the M5, the, you know, you guys can fill it out. S2000. Yeah. And like that, that kind of like is super, I mean, this is a separate, a larger conversation, but that idea that an American brand has reemerged as the engineering paragon is super interesting, right? It's like, it says something about the new direction that um, American manufacturing has gone in in that period. Like, where, where are the Germans? I mean, the Germans, now we're, you know, this is kind of a, another stunning blow to German pride, right? They don't have a car on the list. It's unbelievable. My, my feeling is that, like, they're, they're like, there's something that's gotten very kind of fussy about German cars. And this, this kind of like almost cynical attempt to broaden and broaden and broaden their base and while pretending to hang on to their performance enthusiast roots is getting really annoying. I have a different take on that. I have a different take on that. And my take is that with the German cars, it's a given. We've become so used to the level of performance from BMW and Mercedes that it's not surprising that their cars are supercars. We're not surprised at the M5 at what it can do. Whereas with the Cadillac, because, you know, unfortunately, listen, American cars destroyed their reputation, mm-hmm. right? Through, through let's say, through the 90s. And now they make great cars, and a lot of people don't even think of looking at that car when they're in the market. They're looking at, you know, an M5 or they're looking at an AMG, whatever. And they're not thinking to look at Cadillac. And Cadillac can compete on every level and in some ways superior but i think that the with the german car it's been so good for so long people take it for granted like you look at the bmw m even though it doesn't go on these best car lists it's what they're compared to see everything's been compared to the m3 since the m3 was made it it became the standard and everything is still compared to the m3 even the m3 is compared to prior M3s. Yeah, right. So we kind of take for granted the excellence of German cars. And while they do sometimes sit on their laurels, they'll make something like that M2 and say, oh yeah, we can still do it. We still have some that are, you know. But that's annoying that they choose not to. And they do spend more time on like the sound of the door chimes than they do on the steering. It's ridiculous. It's unfortunate, but I think that is the broad level marketing aspect let's face it we're enthusiasts they're not worried about us okay they're they're gonna make a few toys for us but they're worried about the broad level marketing like you were saying malcolm they're worried about what your spouse is but even the enthusiasts alonzo are are turning their backs on bmws and saying they're not as good as they were and if you if you ignore that if you don't really serve that enthusiast really really well then the rest of it kind of becomes meaningless like you know, the center can't hold. You have to really, it's it's sort of like what we talked about with the Corvette. Like the Corvette is so good now that they can do an SUV. The 911 got so good that they could do a Cayenne, you know, and, and have it, um, you know, have some integrity and not be like some kind of cynical marketing exercise. And I think that's where BMW is right now. It's kind of in the, let's cash in on our reputation and uh, sell a lot of cars to, uh, you know, real estate agents in Southern California. 
here's what my BMW thing is. You know, I have a, I have a, a 2014 X1, yeah. which was based on the, was it on the, the platform of it's a three series of the three series. Yeah. Yeah. It breaks down like <laughs> clockwork every four months. And every time I take it in, it costs me thousands and thousands of dollars. It's like got too many miles on it. It's a pain in the ass. I don't get rid of it. Why? Because the steering is so sublime. And every time I drive a new BMW, I am filled with rage that they they had the driving experience nailed and they went backwards. And I just can't, I can't get over that hump. I'm like, dude, my decrepit X1 from 2014, you get behind the wheel and you're just happy. You feel betrayed, right? I feel betrayed. I totally feel betrayed. The, the idea that a brand would depart from one of their strongest suits for whatever reason is just infuriating to me. Well, refuting this insinuation that uh, I'm an old fogey, I did put, you know, the new Hyundai Ionic 5 on this list, which to me is maybe it's not an aspirational vehicle, but it looks so cool. It looks like an 8-bit, you know, Lancia Delta Integrale. Like the, the styling really pushes a lot of Gen X buttons for me. Have you guys seen these things on the road? I have. I. It's funny, you know. I have a friend who is a uh, a classic East Side LA progressive. So you know, long conversations about what she eats, progressive politics. You know, blah 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 blah. She emails me and says, "I think I got to get a new car because my Prius is too many miles on it. What should I get? I'm thinking maybe a used Volvo." And I said, first of all, if you get a Volvo, I'm not speaking to you again." But secondly, <laughs> you have only two choices. I said, you can get a Golf R or you can get an Ionic. And I said, if you can find an Ionic, that should be your first choice. She, I don't know how she found one. Two weeks later, she calls me up. I have an Ionic. And, and then I, I, I saw her in LA and was driving around in it. It's, it's a fantastic car. The thing that's baffling to me about it is it looks like it's a hatchback. It's, it's a big car that somehow, I don't know what they did with the styling. It's so confusing. The proportions the thing are great. is is spacious and looks like it's, yeah. you know, this modest little, but it's gorgeous. It's the size of a palisade. It's so weird. I can't even it's wrap my weird. mind around that. But it is, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful car. It's like the future we were promised in the 80s. Yeah. Right? I will say that in my neighborhood, in my part of LA, this was the ultimate ionic compliment on the next door app. These Ionic people were telling the Tesla people to get rid of their Tesla and get an Ionic. Damn, I think it's the same buyer. <laughs> it was a whole, it was a whole thing on the app. They were like, "Yeah, get rid of your Tesla, get the Ionic. You're gonna love it." And I do see, I do see Ionics rolling around here, and it looks like it's the it's the car. I was traveling a lot recently and decided to rent Teslas. You know, rent Teslas from Hertz. So I was like. I got my whole Tesla experience down and was so appalled by the build quality. The you see, It's just an appliance and it's so ugly inside. And I'm just like, an Ionic is, is truly one generation beyond the Teslas. So oh, what Alonzo was saying with the neighbors telling their Tesla people to, is absolutely right. Like Tesla was the starter car. It's always been the car for people who don't like cars. And now we have an electric car or the first of a 
of a whole group of electric cars that are electric cars to people who actually like automobiles. The, the I put thing, the Lyric, Lyric yes. in, that, in that category, the Ionic. There's a couple of others. The Lyric's in there, too, in that mix. But, you know, the thing about EVs is that the ecosystem around them is as important as the car itself. You know, your iPhone app, the charging infrastructure. And that's where Tesla wins. They have the supercharger network that's really Musk's own utility. Um, it's the best. It's super reliable. The, the Electrify America charging stations are always broken down. They always suck. Or somebody's parked their F-150 in front of it just to spite you. And, you know, it's like Tesla really has that part down. But I completely agree. Like, this is a step change beyond the, a, a Model 3. But I still feel like it's missing something so big. And that big thing is the reciprocating internal combustion engine. Well, that's that's a whole different argument. I will say one of the problems with EVs, you talked about it, they need to standardize it. It's not like cars have different gas nozzles, at, at, so you have to have different gas stations. You know, Now, I'll throw something else out with Tesla that, that they have developed both through the initial owners and Elon Musk. There's a certain douche factor to having a Tesla, like, oh, you're one of them. You're a Tesla person, you know what I mean? And and the Ionic doesn't carry that baggage. I know as a motorcyclist, when I'm riding around LA and I see a Tesla, I assume that driver isn't driving the car, that it's an automatic and that that car might kill me. You know, um, there, there's, there's a certain baggage that goes with owning them. And as far as the interiors, uh, they, they have become... You know, for the amount the car costs, it's like, what is this cheap plastic interior that's going on? Like, they're not unique enough anymore to put up with that. It's not like, ooh, you have a Tesla. Now it's just another car, especially here in L.A. And, you know, in some places they're still unique. In L.A., they are they are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. And I don't know who would pay that kind of money for that level of quality like Malcolm was talking about. When we come back, our winner for Car of the Year. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization. 
Washington State's city of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer. So they created something that no one had ever built before, a platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies, the cellular vehicle to everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The city of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we've got, we've eliminated one. We've been talking about the other three. Do you have, do you have any kind of feelings about, about, about rankings here? Well, I think the, the Ionic rises above the Tesla and indeed many other EVs. And it's really kind of important and a significant breakthrough, but it's going to be surpassed in three years by something with more range and more power. So I think that's probably our third place finalist. What, what do you guys think? I agree, I'd agree with that. Wait, here's, the, here's the heuristic I would use to evaluate uh, who, we should, who should be number one. And that is five years from now, would we understand the ranking? So you know how there's some years with the Oscars where the, the pick for best picture makes sense in the moment. And then five years later, you're like, wait, they they did like, what, like remember that movie Crash? Yeah. Didn't Crash win Best Picture? Yeah, and like ridiculous. There is not a person on the face of the earth who thinks that Crash deserved Best Picture that year. It's Or like in basketball, you know, there are some number one picks. You're like, wait, Anthony Bennett was the number, what he was, number, number, <laughs> number two pick or something. Like, it's that kind of thing. So five years from now, are we going to be puzzled if we put the Ionic first? I think, yes, we would be puzzled because the field is going to, progress so rapidly it really does come down to which of these two perfect expressions of a traditional model we want to hold up to posterity and say this is as good as it got with the kind of analog sports sedan which you know it's down to the vet versus the black wing which which of those is the better is the thing that would that's five years from now we say yeah that was man that was the end of an era and like that was the right car to pick well, I think using that criteria, it has to be the black wing because in five years, that doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. No, there will be supercars from here to infinity. 
small batch supercars, they, they can slip past the regulators' noses. But a sports sedan like this, with this crazy almost 700 horsepower engine and a stick and all this torque and just an absolutely perfect expression of what a sports sedan should be, which is a sports car with four doors. Yeah, it's the Blackwing. And I'd also like to say, is there any cooler name than Blackwing? It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> I want one. Well, another thing is, um, and Malcolm, you touched on it, is the daily driver aspect. You know, that's also the insane thing that the Blackwing, I mean, the Corvette is is a stretch as a daily driver, right? I mean, you might have to carry luggage one day or, or you know. And the Blackwing is so easy to live with. If it's your only car, you could live with that as your only car, your daily driver, like you said, and and every day be comfortable and commute and this and that. And then every now and then put your foot in it and go berserk and absolutely love it and then bring bring it back down a notch. So I think that also, that's another reason the Blackwing goes at the top of this that's list. It's going to make it yeah. like... It's it's going to be one of those cars that really I think lasts to to your point, Malcolm. You know, this is a Citizen Kane type of car that we talk about for a long time. It's like a Citroen SM. You know, like wow, how did they do that? Um, you know, it's just got so much engineering integrity, so much design integrity. It's just so well thought out that it's it's just going to last. And you know, one of my maxims is that time equals value they spent more time on this car than anything else probably on this list except maybe the z06 i think that's going to translate into lasting value we're going to want this car for a very very long time we're going to look back and go man that was the peak of something yeah agreed agreed wow malcolm you're right eddie's going to go to work for consumer reports. I mean, no matter where he goes, it comes back to value. All, he's he's all Mr. Value. Eddie, he's, he's, he's going to run the car division of Walmart. He's, he's be... Car Show is written and hosted by me, Eddie Alterman. It's produced by Emily Rostek and Jacob Smith. Our editor is Karen Shakurji. Original music and mastering by Ben Tolliday. Our executive producer is Mia Lobel. Our show art was designed by Sean Carney and airbrushed by Greg Lefevre. Our patron saints, as always, are Lital Malad and Justine Lang. Car Show is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you love this show and others from Pushkin Industries, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted listening for just $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today 
If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.